Hello there. Welcome to the Africa Rights Talk Podcast, a center for human rights podcast series exploring a range of human rights issues through conversations with academics, practitioners, and activists. I am your host, Victoria Amici. Let's dive in. Hi, Safa. Welcome to Africa Rights Talk here with Safa Mohammed, a student of the HRDA program. Um, Safa, please introduce yourself. What kind of things you do, what you do at the HRDA um, program, what kind of acti- activism that you do, what kind of uh, um, group you belong to. And yeah, thank you. Yeah. Introduce yourself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hi, Victoria. Thanks for having me today in your podcast. Um, Safa Idris. Uh, from Sudan, as you mentioned, I'm HRDA HR, uh, student. The program is so far is intense, but it's good. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, what what is people often get confused as to what's happening in Sudan? And people have diff- different type of stories that's happening, like what is going on, what's going on, um, and we need to get to the factual um, um, context as to what's happening in Sudan. Can you give a Introduction, introduction to us to what's the current situation in Sudan. Okay, uh, the situation in Sudan currently describes suffering, prejudice, which you continue to worsen daily. This has affected a population of more than 12 million people living in Khartoum, which is considered the center of economic and political gravity. Mm-hmm. Beyond Khartoum, the crisis continued to unfold in some states uh, in in west part of Sudan, like Darfur region, especially the major cities like Ajina and Niala. Also, the capital north of Kordofan, Al Ubaid. Uh, these states have witnessed many deaths and destructions. According, like also according to published report, the equivalent of two million uh, displaced and fled to other Sudanese states outside Khartoum. Ten of thousand fled to neighboring countries. Uh, as you know that the health situation is very difficult as 70% of hospitals are outside of service and citizens suffer in obtaining their medicine due to lack of these medicines. Also the factories in, in Bahri, Khartoum North, have been looted and burned down the to- and total destruction of uh, structure. Market also were looted and burned down Cultural places destroyed. Yeah. Um. Thank you, um, Sava, for that uh, insight into as to what's happening in Khartoum. Um. What What do you think are the root causes of this crisis? Is it, is it uh, something that's happening like a long time ago, or it's just a consequence of some policies or some consequences of what ha- What's What do you think is the, what's the causes of this of this crisis? Sudan suffering years and years ago from crisis, but I guess the the root causes of Current crisis, it the framework agreement which calls for RSF to be integrated with TAF, and was supposed to be signed by the two parties last April. Uh, also, in my opinion, the the, the, sustain, uh, the sustainability of two armies and their separate commands in in the same country was all driving force behind this uh, conflict. 
as RSF uh, dominate trade on gold in Sudan. I guess I, I don't believe that RSF wants to lose its military advantage or, or, or its economic interest in, in the state. Okay, okay, interesting. Um, so, what are the very obvious um, consequences in uh, and the way people in Sudan are feeling? What, 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 are, what has the crisis affected? How has it affected the people of Sudan? Beloved, uh, what I, I already indicated, 65% uh, uh, of population live below the poverty okay. line. Wow. How many people how many in Sudan? And like 44 okay. million. Uh, the majority of them were unable to flee the war. Uh, and remain in, in Khartoum, which made the, the issue worse. And, and they also went, went hungry because the war caused them uh, to lose their daily source of food. You know, most of the, the people living in Khartoum, they work in like sidewalks. Uh, also, RSF looted the, the citizens' uh, properties, violated and robbed uh, residents' homes, people hungry, this war happened in, as you know, on on the fifteenth of April, uh, and people were not paying their their salaries. I guess the greatest effect of this war is the fear and worries it, it has accused among uh, the population of Khartoum, children, women, and and all the person. I guess all the population has been affected by this war. Um, if you check on the news, like it was very um very you know kind of like they had this fear for people who are afraid of what's going on in, in Khartoum and there's been some condemnations of of, this, of the acts of terrorism in, in Khartoum in Sudan which specific uh, international community or agencies or or government have have intervened or said something yeah uh, the international community made an effort to mediate between the two parties they condemn what's happening in Sudan. And now Jeddah declaration uh, was signed in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, uh, between, uh, by the efforts of United States of America and Saudi Arabia. Jeddah uh, declaration has three phases. Uh, the first one is uh, a ceasing fire to secure a safe lens for the citizen and their assistance to reach uh, to those who is affected. Also, the second phase is permanent ceasefire and the last one to reach a final agreement, drive down the political uh, negotiation table. Uh, but I have noticed that the, the ceasefire agreement, no one respected from the two parties. Mm -hmm. So United States imposed economic uh, sanction on companies owned by the both parties. As a result, the military uh, staff, I mean, representative suspended negotiation to give Washington and Riyadh a chance to evaluate both sides' adherence to the truth. As they mentioned, we don't know what the, what the truth behind that, but now the, the negotiation has been suspended. What is, what is the implication of the crisis on peace and security in Africa? Like with the Sudan crisis, what is the implication? Because Sudan has been, like, since having known about the country Sudan and Africa, I've always known it to have like crisis. Is there any moments of like, in the future, you can see peace and security happen in Sudan. What is the implication on the continent? Yeah, well, uh, Sudan is bordered by seven countries, neighboring countries. Mm -hmm. uh, and before the crisis, this border carried security uh, very utility, resulting from uh, in regional instability. Uh, 
resulting in smuggling problems, including the smuggling of people and goods, illicit trade. Sudan also described as a transit for migration and smuggling. Mm -hmm. I guess this war uh, will provide a volatile environment for terrorist groups that will benefit from insecurity and preoccupation of the army forces on the border with the, with the war at, at Khartoum. I hope soon uh, the crisis is gonna be gonna be over, but we never know. Um, yeah, what are the steps you think in your understanding of the whole problem and the crisis? What do you think? What, what do you what do you think are the best intervention methods that can um, restore peace and security and resolve this crisis in the future? I guess the first step now is to is to stop war, and then go back to what was was before April fifteenth. In my view, most of discussions for the next step should be about integrating DRSF into SAF because any agreement uh, that leads to otherwise means war over and over again in the future. Also, despite the, the, the catastrophe, the war revealed that the historical political crisis has reached the stage of maturity and cannot be solved with weapons. Uh, because the war is not a standard mathematical uh, process, as you know. Uh, unexpected, renewed and emerging factors may con contribute to, to determining its time limitation. I think the two parties to result to the wise people in Sudan and um, to look at its strength, as it will be like inevitability uh, lead to to inside from from it is human and customary dictionary that, that those people they have, and I guess um, most of these initiative will will success, since we we have those kind of people in Sudan still. Hopefully, um, your program ends in a year. I think this year, <laughs> and you you you're gonna, you in five months. Um, Abby, do you know where you're gonna go for the second um, half of your like the program, like the second semester? You know where you're going? Yeah, Not yet. Yeah, to Mauritius. To Mauritius. Oh, that must be nice. Uh, um, hopefully, when you which after your time at Mauritius is done, you wanna return back to Khartoum or no? Yeah, I will go back to Khartoum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if if they if they this the crisis is over. Well, you know, I can I I, I hope. Peace, it uh, it there, yeah, yeah. and I guess if we have peace, we can rebuild Sudan again. Since Sudan has like a strong youth, ever, okay. I notice you notice that I guess during the the last revolution in Sudan. I mean, the country, the the continent needs Sudan. I mean, that's why we're Africa. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Anyways, thank you so much, Safa. Thank you so much for joining um or just to come on the podcast. And uh, I hope you have a good day and a good rest of the year in Mauritius. Thank you. Thank right. you very much. Yeah. I'm here with um, May Aman from the Center for Human Rights. Um, she's a project officer at the Children's Rights Unit and also a PhD candidate at the Center for Human Rights, Children's Rights Unit. I'm not sure if I've covered everything about May, so I'm going to ask her to give a little bit of info about herself. Um, thank you so much for having me, Victoria. Um, just like you said, uh, my name is May Aman. I'm a Sudanese lawyer. And I'm currently working as a project officer with the Children's Rights Unit at the Center for Human Rights. Mm -hmm. And I'm also pursuing a doctorate degree in uh, human rights, specializing in children's rights specifically. 
Okay, that's great. Um, thank you for that. Um, I know that's very, very humble introduction about yourself, but we'll we'll take that. We'll keep it <laughs> brief. Um, you're here because of I mean the ongoing crisis in Sudan, and I'm thinking before we get into the to the like to the unfortunate events that happened in Sudan, I will ask you to like at least tell us a little bit about Sudan, like the good food, people, the weather. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> let me start with your last point. Okay. Weather. So the Sudanese weather is usually very warm. Mm-hmm. It can go up to 40, 48 degrees wow. in summer. So it's crazy yeah, it's compared crazy. to the South African summer, let's yeah. say. <laughs> um, and as to the people, the Sudanese people are pretty known to be very kind, okay. very honest mm-hmm. and humble. And their level of hospitality is out of this world. Sudanese people are good people. Yeah, Take okay. it from me. Yeah. So, okay, that's really good to hear. I think most African people are like that. And um, it's very unfortunate that we have to discuss this topic. These events are happening to people that, uh, that you said, uh, have described are good people. What are the human rights concerns of this ongoing conflict? Yeah. And what are the human rights um, implications of that? Um, what are the ongoing human rights um, elements to this, to this, this, this crisis? Okay. Um, so let me just start by saying that um, the Republic of Sudan uh, is a state party to numerous um, treaties, human rights treaties at the global and uh, and the regional level. Um, at the international level, Sudan is a state party to the Convention uh, on Civil and Political Rights, the International Convention on uh, Economic, Social, Cultural Rights, mm-hmm. the Convention of um, the Rights of the, the Child. child yeah. um, that's just to name a, be- a few at the global level and the regional level. You'll find um, the African Charter on Human People's Rights, um, the African Charter on the Rights and Welfare of the Child. So um, in terms of obligations, Sudan does have human rights obligations as it relates to the Sudanese citizens. However, since the beginning of the conflict in Sudan, 15th of April, like I said, unlawful attacks and killings have been taking place against civilians, sexual and gender Based violence is also taking place um, and civilians access to basic human rights, really access to health, access to food, to water um, has been severely impacted. Uh, moreover, that um, we find that civilians are also forced to evacuate their homes. It's estimated that since the, the war started, um, and I think the last statistic that I found um, in June is that 2.2 million people have been displaced. You have um, more than 500 people um, cross borders the neighboring countries, Egypt, uh, Chad, uh, South Sudan, Ethiopia, Mm -hmm. uh, and some are also in Kenya. Um, So I I think these are the major human rights concerns. And of course, the killing of of civilians, like more than 1,000 persons have been killed in Jenina, which is uh, in West um, West Darfur. So, and we don't have um, a specific or a reliable number of civilians that have been killed because these are the ones that are accounted for. Oh, yeah. Many more are just killed in neighborhoods. They the bury them yeah. if they're lucky, really. Mm. So these are the main uh, concerns, let's say. Very, very, very unfortunate. And most of the time, w- women, children are the most vulnerable in this kind of events and then yeah it's, it's a, that's crazy that's, 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 a, that's a big thing that's a crazy thing well that's like almost half of a, of, of a country 
I mean, it could be country. a country. It could be a country. Yeah, like that's yeah. the population of countries. Yeah, such as Gambia, two point yeah, something million. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's so crazy. it's crazy, and mm-hmm. just to think of the fact that the war has not yet spread to to, let's say, all over Sudan. It's mainly in the capital. Mm-hmm. And few other states in the west mm-hmm. and the yeah. south, mm-hmm. okay. so you can only imagine, imagine if it was a big, big if it was a full scale yeah, conflict. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can only imagine, imagine if it was a big, big, it was a full scale, yeah, bigger thing. Conflict, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm so sorry about that, and I can see the passion, like the for your country and for for the, for the fight to be better, for it to stop. Course, but yeah, hopefully we get 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 there. Don't get me. <laughs> I was very emotional. <laughs> okay, is there any ongoing efforts or like uh, international bodies or organizations or local actors basically that are trying to mitigate this violence or trying to respond um, in a very effective manner to this uh, to this violence and conflict? Um, yes. So when the war started, several initiatives uh, were proposed by local and international actors mm-hmm. uh, with the hope of ending the ongoing war in Sudan. Okay. Um, it, in- it included a um, couple of mediation efforts that were support- uh, that were proposed by mm-hmm. um, South Sudan mm-hmm. and Ethiopia, but of course it was rejected by the warring parties, mm-hmm. mainly the, the Sudanese armed forces and the rapid support forces. Another initiative, um, also known as the JEDDA process, uh, was brokered by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the United States. So the proposed JEDDA process was aimed at uh, bringing the warring parties to sign a humanitarian truce, let's say, uh, which would be followed by permanencies of fire and a civilian-led government. Very ambitious. The talk started on the 6th of May, mm-hmm. um, resulted in a, something that is called the, the JEDDA Declaration, Okay. Uh, of commitments to protect civilians of Sudan um, and also to allow humanitarian aid and a short-term ceasefire that was meant to be seven days but then mm-hmm. extended to another five days mm-hmm. during which um, humanitarian access um, was was allowed into the into the capital let's say mm-hmm. um, but I would say that despite the good intentions yeah. uh, of the uh, of Jeddah of um, sorry, Saudi Arabia and the USA, many believe that the negotiations had some issues, had some major issues such as lack of civilian voice. They were literally just sitting with the warring parties and giving them legitimacy, literally about um, their ownership or of the Sudanese situation, of the Sudanese future. And at the same time, there was also lack of uh, transparency because it was the whole negotiation was happening behind closed doors. And we only got the outcome. The outcome. Exactly. A more recent initiative, which is known as the Expanded Mechanism on the Sudan Crisis, uh, it was established by um, the AU on the 20th of April 2023 uh, with the aim to coordinate, harmonize um, regional, continental and international efforts in support of a peaceful resolution of the conflict. Um, so the Expanded Mechanism so far has held um, three meetings, the latest of which took place on the 1st of June. Um, and it discussed something uh, very interesting, I would say, um, that the AU also came up with. It's called the AU Roadmap, okay. the AU Roadmap for the Resolution of the Conflict in Sudan. Um, so the expanded mechanism, which includes regional, neighboring countries, European countries, um, let's say stakeholders at the regional and the international level who are concerned about the Sudanese situation. That meeting discussed the implementation of the AU Roadmap. And I would also say that the AU Roadmap 
was also very um, ambitious. It's it's still um, they're still in the process of implementing it uh, to ensure an immediate, permanent, and in, uh, inclusive and unconditional cease of fire, cease of hostilities, and to strengthen the humanitarian response as well as to ensure the protection of civilians. I mean, we're all waiting to see <laughs> the outcome because yeah. if the warring parties don't have the genuine will to end yeah. the war, mm -hmm. yeah. all the efforts will fail mm -hmm. eventually. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a good thing that they're yeah. taking these initiatives to mm -hmm. provide some sort of pressure on the warring parties that we are following the situation. Mm -hmm. We need you to come to terms with the fact that it's civilians who are losing their lives, mm -hmm. losing their livelihoods, losing everything yeah, yeah. really for so yes for individual and for a fight of power, power. Mm -hmm. so this war is actually senseless yeah. Yeah. um but yeah let's see how this au roadmap will come okay yeah i'm also very glad that the eu is trying to give um allow for accountability and responsibility to some extent because um, people always see, they kind of see the AU as a very like suggestive, they recommend toothless, yeah, I'll say. <laughs> so I feel like, I hope that taking them seriously. You've talked about a lot of things, um, the, the, the effects on um, women, children, um, the internally displaced persons uh, rising to 2 point something million. Uh, we want to see one of the long-term and short-term challenges that Sudan, you think Sudan might experience in trying to achieve stability and reconcile Sudan to its old self? Um, it's very interesting that yeah. um, you said um, returning Sudan to its old self. Yeah. And looking back, um, since independence, mm -hmm. Sudan has been just going through coups, civil wars. So the Sudanese people really had hopes for the 2019 revolution, mm -hmm. that would, it will end with a democratic um, government. Mm -hmm. So let's hope that Sudan doesn't go back to its old self. <laughs> so that, <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Let's just hope that Sudan improves, mm -hmm. Sudan finds um, its way to a civilian-led government. But having said that, um, I think one of the immediate challenges would be the obvious one, putting this war to an end. Yeah. Um, neither Burhan or Hemeti, um, they're not ready to back down. Uh, the situation could, could get much worse yeah. because, like I said before, that the war, the war is still centralized to some extent. Mm -hmm. But if it goes out to a full-blown civil war, for example, if you have some of the other militia groups interfering in the war, um, then would be a difficult thing, yeah. really. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, you'll have the the involvement of neighboring countries because at some point, if this if this war continues, then the warring parties will have to have um, some lines for supply. Let's say mm -hmm. involvement of neighboring countries, Egypt, Chad, or even not neighboring countries, UAE, uh, those who are interested in the Sudanese situation would definitely worsen the the, the whole situation. Yeah. 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 So these are the immediate challenges I would, I would think of. Um, as to the long-term challenges, um, they would include the everlasting issue of handing over power to civilians. Mm -hmm. Um, as well as integrating the rapid support forces into the national army, 
mm-hmm. and the issue of impunity. Um, and let me put some uh, focus on the issue of impunity, because um, throughout the Sudanese history, human rights violations and atrocities have been committed with complete impunity during the North uh, the Northern Sudan, Southern Sudan war, which is the longest war mm-hmm. Africa has ever witnessed. Yeah. Um, the Darfur war in 2003, um, the conflict in South Sudan and the Blue Nile, uh, the peaceful protests that took place in mm-hmm. 2013, 2019, um, coming back to the recent, the more recent protest um, against the coup in 2021, civilians have been killed, injured, tortured, raped, imprisoned, without any form of accountability. So I believe um, that justice is one of the greatest challenges mm-hmm. that Sudan will face in achieving stability, reconciliation, and establishment of a democratic government, mm-hmm. because it has always been the quest of the Sudanese people. Even during protests, Sudanese mm-hmm. people will be chanting that we demand peace, freedom, and justice. Mm-hmm. So without justice, I don't see mm-hmm. Sudan having any future. Yeah. Excellent. That's a very um, interesting and very brilliant take on that. Um, yeah, you've, yeah, it's sort of a very sad situation. You've uh, mentioned that there's no form of accountability whatsoever, like at all, because it's it's something that's been ongoing since um, it's independence. There's no way in like, not regional level, like international level, that has there been any like sanctions on the government or... How have they been able to at least find even like, like a very tiny piece of accountability? Like we are watching you, like maybe the, the European Union or the, um, uh, we say America, the US, those big economies are like watching, like we're watching what you're doing to people. These are crimes against humanity. Has there been any, like any, you know how they, they issue an arrest warrant for, the, um, for Putin, the ICC? So I'm like, has there been any kind of like, like warrants that have been like issued for people's arrest that instigating this war. The current war, you mean? Yeah, the current war. Um, unfortunately, uh, the answer for that would be no, no. to the oh. current war. Mm-hmm. Previously, um, the ICC has involved um, okay. in okay. 2009, okay. but to the current war, no. I mean. You'll have the USA, the mm-hmm. UN, mm-hmm. the AU. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. all condemning, right? And they're yeah requesting mm-hmm. the warning parties to mm-hmm. to kind of um, resolve the situation in a peaceful manner mm-hmm. but we we are, we are past peaceful manner at this point like I don't know why I don't get the diplomacy of this treaty bodies like why are you asking for peace and peaceful there's been war like it's war it's people are being killed people there's people have moved past peace now you must ask you must demand justice from this before these people it's a political thing yeah. and at the same time a diplomacy comes to play yeah. okay um so you'll find that um for example during the Jeddah talks um mm-hmm. the usa and the saudi arabia were employing the same strategy mm-hmm. um that uh, they used with the military and the rapid support forces after the coup. Mm-hmm. You have um, two parties stage a coup and literally killed a process, a transitional process. Why would you sit on one table with them um, and try and talk sense to or them or 
Um, yeah, because like the strategy that they employed kind of gave these warring parties legit, legit, the upper hand and legitimacy, right? Um, and it's the same thing happening all over again because of politics, diplomacy, and um, these states or these concerned states, quote unquote. Um, they're beside their intentions to resolve the situation in Sudan, they're also considering their own interest, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Whoever comes out as a winning, mm -hmm. they want to be on their good books. Yeah. Um, so I think this is one of the reasons. Okay. Um, yeah. You may. Uh, and for one last thing, for the people of Sudan, who hopefully might have a future after this war, what are your last words for them? Words of hope during this very, 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 very tumultuous time of their lives? But what do you want to say to people of Sudan? That... Um, because I was there in 2019 oh. and I was part of the people who protested, right? And I yeah. took part of them in the movement. Um, so I would say that uh, we should just stick together and remember why we started. Okay. And I will say it in Arabic. Hurriya, salamu adala, madaniya khiyar al-shab. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm to yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, May. Um, um, I really enjoyed this um, conversation, and I also really, really do hope and wish for the better um, future of the people of Sudan. And this, I would demand that justice prevails in Sudan and the people of Sudan are set free. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Victoria. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. You have just listened to the Africa Rights Talk podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channels, social media platforms such as Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for listening.